Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to another episode of Tea and Tropes. I am your host, Bree, and as always, I am so happy to be here. Thank you guys for hanging out with me. Today, we're going to be covering the first 12 chapters and the prologue, I guess, of Divine Rivals. And as always, we have another author interview at the end, so make sure you hang out. Just a friendly reminder that if you haven't entered the giveaway that I am hosting on Instagram, make sure you check that out. You guys have a week left to get your entries in. Don't forget every other person, every additional person rather, that you tag in the comments on any of the author's posts will be counted as an additional entry. Don't forget to share to your stories for an additional entry. There are tons of chances to win this. I will be announcing the winner next week on Valentine's Day. So like I said, make sure you guys check that out on Instagram and enter. There's tons of amazing books that you can win in that. I have added a few more events to my schedule this month. Starting Sunday the 11th, I'm going to be hanging out with author Jessica Lee on her Writer's Roundtable. And that's going to be a Instagram Live. And I think it's going to be on TikTok too. I have a post on my Instagram talking about it more if you guys want more information. But I'm really excited for that. On February 17th, I'm going to be in Flagstaff, Arizona for the iHeart Pluto Festival. And I'm going to be at the Night of Discovery. And then I'll be at the festival again on the day after. <laughs> um, I will be at the Witchcrafted Market in Glendale, Arizona. On That is February 24th. And then February 29th. Through March 3rd, I'm going to be up in Seattle, Washington at Emerald City Comic Con. I will be at the booth for my Etsy shop face apparel. So make sure you check that out. I'm going to be down in the basement um, near the pizza place. So that's how I always remember where it is. I forget the booth number. It's like 1044 or something. I don't know. But (laughs) um, make sure you check it out. You will be able to find me on the map and in like the app, or they should have an app, but they're, I'm on the website for sure. Um, but the booth is Phase Apparel. So if you guys see me, feel free to come get some bookmarks. I will also have some Tea and Trope stickers, and I'll be posting those on Etsy in the next week or so as soon as they get in the mail. But they are on the way, so I'm really excited to share that with you guys too. So keep an eye on the socials for all the new places that you guys can meet me. If you're interested, I would love to meet you guys too. I would love to chat about books and I will literally talk to you about anything fantasy. So don't be shy. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. tea of the week this week is from steeped in lore i found them on etsy and i you guys know how i like my chais i got the lothlorien honeybush chai it is a lord of the rings inspired black tea with honey cinnamon ginger clove cardamom and it's amazing so make sure you check them out as always the link will be down in the description 
If you guys get any other flavors, let me know so I know what to try next time I order. And let me know what you guys think of this one if you try it. Also, if you guys have any favorite tea shops, let me know. I would love to feature them on the show. They don't have to be book inspired. That's just what little, you know, fun things I like to throw into the show. But um, if you have a favorite tea, feel free to share it. I'd love to hear. Getting into our book of the month. It is the first Wednesday of February, which means it is the beginning of a new book. And this month we are covering Divine Rivals by Rebecca Ross. I've been wanting to read this for a little while. It's been really popular on Book Talk, on Bookstagram. I don't really know why I put it off for so long, but here we are. I'm excited to read with you guys. I know a couple people have told me that they are really excited to read it this month too. So as always, if you guys want to be part of the conversation, make sure you get involved. Like feel free to send me messages, send me comments. If you want to send in even like voice clips, I could just play them on the show. Whatever you guys want to do, I want you guys to be involved. I want you to feel like this is also your book club because it is. It's not just me. So feel free to contribute any way you guys want to. I would love to have some more interaction. Um, Not that you guys aren't interacting because I talk to you guys almost on a daily basis. You guys are so friendly and I love all of you, but if you guys want to be more interactive on the show itself, I am completely open. So don't be shy. Let me know your thoughts as we're reading, as I am letting you know mine. So here we are. Let's jump into the prologue. So we meet Iris and her brother, Forrest, who are at the train station. She is seeing him off. She says how there are soldiers everywhere, so he's going to some type of war. And... They're just, you know, saying their goodbyes. We're getting a nice little setup to the story. We hear the promises that she had made to stay in school and to look after her mother or their mother, I guess, because they are siblings. (laughs) And we find out that he, it's a little, I don't know. I, I feel like we're definitely missing some information because obviously it's just the prologue, but he heard a song from a goddess and had to answer the call. So the goddess has summoned him to war, or I don't know if manipulated him is the proper term, or if it's just like a devout religious calling that he's feeling. I don't know. I'm I'm a little sus, but I feel like I'm always sus about stuff like this. So that's just me. <laughs> but Forrest gets on the train. They say their goodbyes. Iris is walking home, and she finds a note in her pocket from her brother. It says, just in case you didn't know, you are by far the best sister I've ever had, which I think they're only children, like just the two of them. So, I mean, I get it. I say the same things to like my niece. I'm like, hey, you're my favorite niece, but she's my only niece. Anyway, getting back into it. You are by far the best sister I've ever had. I'm so proud of you. And I'll be home before you know it, little flower. Okay. So we have the nickname. We have the heartbreaking setup because he says he'll be home soon. So, I mean, are we taking bets that he's not going to come home? I would put money on that he dies at war. What do you guys think? Do you think I'm being cynical? I I don't know. I Okay, so here here's what I think my problem is. I jumped into this book without knowing the tone, I guess. Is this going to be a heartbreaking book that makes me 
sob uncontrollably until I throw up? Or is this going to be like a cute little like happily ever after love story? Don't tell me because I don't want to know. But like, I don't know what kind of tones we're going for here. I'm just based on the wording going to assume that her brother's not going to make it home. And in chapter one, he's been gone for five months. Uh, We get a lot of info about the gods, a.k.a. the divines, who were vanquished. Uh, We learn that Iris is working at a newspaper. It is called the Oath Gazette. We meet her office rival, Roman Kit, Roman C. Kit. We don't know what the C stands for, but there's an ongoing joke that it's all these different awful C words like cankerous. (laughs) That was particularly a favorite of mine. Iris is running late to work this day. And as she gets there, Roman takes the last assignment. That's the word. (laughs) He takes the last assignment off of the assignment board. And we find out that it is an article about missing soldiers from the front lines. We learn that Iris had dropped out of school and that she got offered a job at the Gazette by winning a contest, an essay contest. And then we get some more information about the war. It's between two gods um, that are fighting each other. We learned that centuries ago, two centuries ago, to be specific, but centuries ago, gods were slain. They were fighting each other to the point of death, and the remaining five were um, held captive by mortals, which I thought was real interesting. I want to know more about that, but that's definitely going to be something later. <laughs> the war happening now is between Dacre. That's how I'm pronouncing it. Tell me if I'm wrong. Um, Dacre and Enva. And we don't really get a ton of information about them, but that's who the two gods are that are fighting each other right now. And the people are being put on different sides of this war. We know that Forrest is fighting on Enva's side, but the Gazette has put blame on Enva for starting the war in the first place. So there's a little bit of... How do I want to say this? There's definitely an inconsistency here. We don't know the truth or what side we should be fighting for. I feel like obviously we should we should want her brother to die, but there might be some truth in what the Gazette was reporting. Who knows? Um, but what I did find interesting was Iris is questioning whether the government, the chancellor, is controlling the media per se if they're telling the Gazette what they can and cannot say about the war. Um, the fact that they're that we're questioning this in literally chapter one, I feel like is going to be a repeating factor here. As Iris is about to leave for the day, she sees that Roman is still working. She asks him if he wants to take a break and get dinner with her, and he says no, doesn't look at her, just continues working, and she leaves for the day. In chapter two... On Iris's way home, she stops by the grocery store. And this is where we learn that some buildings have remnants of magic in them. And this particular grocery store, the items in it can sense how much money you have when you enter. 
And so the items that you can afford will all come forward and the items that you can't afford will stay back. First of all, I would literally never shop here. I cannot be called out by freaking milk cartons like that. <laughs> I can't do it. As she is leaving the grocery store, she finds a newspaper from their competitor, which is the, the uh, sorry, I had to check my notes, the Ink Ridden Tribune. And they are reporting that there are monsters at the front lines and that these monsters belong to Dacre um, and they came from, I don't know if it's like the world below or if it's just like another realm, but um, as we get more information about that, that's definitely going to mean something later. <laughs> Iris goes home to find her mother drunk and just hanging out, <laughs> um, setting up her mom to be not a consistent parental figure or provider. It's going to put a lot of respect of responsibility on Iris's shoulders, especially now because her brother is not there. She finds out that her mother had sold her grandmother's radio, which is one of the only types of entertainment that they have. And Iris is assuming she used that money to buy more alcohol. She's obviously upset about this, that her mom got rid of her radio. She goes into her room and she writes a letter to her brother and in the letter, she's basically saying, like, how could you leave us? How could you love the goddess more than you love your family, etc.?" which I totally understand. Like, she's upset. She's allowed to be. But then we find out that her brother never wrote to her. In the five months that he's been gone, she's never received a single letter. And therefore, she doesn't have an address to send letters to. And so this whole time, as she's writing letters to him, she's been stalking them under the wardrobe but she found out that when she puts the letters there they disappear what makes tonight different is she gets a letter back from under the wardrobe and this letter that she receives says this isn't forest in chapter three iris is distracted thinking about the letter and trying to figure out who may have responded and she's so distracted that she almost walks into a tram. She is saved by none other than Roman. And she just kind of pretends like she wasn't about to just die and <laughs> just goes on to work. Once she's at work, she talks to her friend Sarah about the article that was in the Tribune. And she decides to go do some research at the library because she's going to play with the idea of an essay um, about the monsters. In chapter four, Iris gets home from work that day to find her mom passed out. So she cleans up a little bit, does laundry, eats, and decides to reply to the wardrobe letter to try to figure out who it is. We find out that it is Roman on the other side, and he's been reading them since she's been sending them, and has figured out who she is based on context clues. Because she hasn't been signing them with her name. She's been signing them with Little Flower. But he knows that they're her. And he wants to use them to kind of get into her head to distract her. Because they're both up for the same promotion, right? Well, 
she says that she's going to stop the letters, and he tells her no to keep sending them. Keep in mind, she has no idea who he is, but he knows who she is. So this is going to make for really interesting back and forth. In chapter five, we find out that the Tribune is hiring journalists to go to the front lines to report on the war. They want people to go out into the trenches to get an accurate reporting of what's going on. Obviously, they're saying this is going to be dangerous. And as they're passing this around, the manager or owner of the Gazette, Zeb, he's telling anybody, if you get approached with this offer, tell me immediately. And we see Iris is kind of hesitating while she's reading this. So knowing the fact that we haven't heard from her brother, she misses her brother, she wants her brother home, and now there's this opportunity to go. I'm just going to draw back to the prologue for a second. There was a moment where she said that there's still time for her to enlist in the war as well. And he tells her, no, she has promises to keep. So now I think she's noticing that there there's an opportunity for her to go. And she might take that. Zeb calls Iris into his office and says that he's giving her one last chance to write an essay to still be considered for the promotion, and she has a week to do so. As she's leaving, Roman confronts her and says that Zeb is only giving her a chance because he feels sorry for her. And this whole conversation kind of goes off the rails pretty quickly, which I think it's trying to contribute to the whole rivals to lovers trope that is advertised. But it doesn't seem that bad to me. <laughs> Maybe I'm just used to the full like enemies to lovers. So I'm used to like the the knife to the throat. But um, this this seems pretty tame. <laughs> In chapter six, Iris comes home to her mother um, having bought dinner and asking her about how work's going. Mom is still drunk, but at least she's Putting in a little more effort now, so I guess progress. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Iris also asks her mom to help her curl her hair, and her mom says, Yeah, I even got some new shampoo. Let's wash it too. And they kind of have this little moment where Iris is able to imagine that it's just a normal day. Her brother's going to be home any minute, and her mom's not drunk. But Life isn't so sweet, unfortunately. Roman, on the other hand, is having a rough day too. He comes home and finds that they have dinner company. Through this dinner is where he finds out that he has been betrothed to a Dr. Little's daughter. One thing I do want to point out here, though, is that during... or During dinner, Dr. Little asks Roman if the rumors about the chancellor having control over what is said in the Gazette is true. So now this is the second time that we've discussed the possibility of the media being controlled. So uh, this is just reiterating my theories about there's some truth to this. Obviously, we're not getting any more information, but if something is mentioned multiple times, it's worth paying attention to. In Chapter 7, we are still in 
Roman's point of view, he, after dinner, goes to his room and he receives a letter from Iris asking what he knows about Dacre and Enva. He replies with a myth that his grandfather had written down. Now, that is putting the validity of the myth into question, like how real is it, how accurate is it to the actual story. But what this myth entails is that Dacre had heard of Enva through mortals, decided he must, quote, have her for himself, whatever that means, and decides to go look for her. But he decides it's too hard to do it on his own, so he sends his hounds from his under under realm. I forget what they call it. Under the the underling realm. Um, and when they can't find her, even though they're killing everyone in their wake, he sends dragons or wyvern, um, also from the underling realm, to go look for her. Eventually, as he's walking around, he finds her himself, and she's in a graveyard. And she asks him, why did you let all these people die? Why did you cause such havoc? He replies, I was trying to find you. And basically asks her to return to the Underrealm with him. She says no. This pisses him off, so he goes on a rampage until she gives in and is like, okay, I'll go with you. But I'm allowed to play music whenever I want to. And the myth ends saying that Dacre agrees, but he doesn't know what he had agreed to. Like, he doesn't know what that agreement would lead to. We don't know either because that's where the chapter ends. (laughs) In chapter eight, Iris is at work and learns of Roman's engagement because his father wants to put it in the newspaper. When Roman comes in late, mind you, for the first time ever, Iris notices that he doesn't look okay. (laughs) Um, She offers to help him with his article and to have lunch with him. This is after she, like, congratulates him on his engagement, and he doesn't seem excited about it. So she knows something is up for sure. He surprisingly agrees to do that, and they go to lunch. They're eating a sandwich on a bench, and... She asks about the engagement. He admits that he doesn't really know her and that it was arranged and that he's definitely not in love with her. And then she kind of switches the topic over to the article and asks to see what notes he has so far. Surprisingly, he does give it to her and she gives him feedback saying that there's no emotion or heart in it. It's very factual. Here are the facts. This is what happened. Where she suggests to add the emotions, to make people hurt, to really drive the point across that these soldiers are missing. And he, in turn, interviews her because her brother is missing since he hasn't sent any letters. In Chapter 9, Iris goes home. And her mother's not there. We spend a suspicious amount of time talking about how her mom's not there. And I feel like it was a little too 
convenient just to say sometimes she stays at the bars till really late. Because we haven't seen this behavior yet. She's been drinking at home. All of a sudden she's out. Throw in the fact that the night before they kind of had this sweet mother-daughter moment where she had got food from the favorite restaurant and she helped wash and curl her hair. I don't think we're going to see mom again, but let's find out. Um, Because her mom's not home, she just kind of goes into her room by herself and there's a new letter. This letter specifically... Okay, I'm sure a lot of you guys will know what I'm talking about. Do you remember the Hillary Duff version of a Cinderella story where her and Chad Mal- Michael Murray are talking through the chat room and they're sending like these really like deep, like poetic letters and emails to each other? That's what this was giving me right now. <laughs> I was getting real good Cinderella story vibes. Let me know if you guys agree, but that's totally what it reminded me of. But anyway, (laughs) they're talking back and forth. They're opening up more to each other and they're becoming more vulnerable. Keep in mind, Iris does not know who this is, but Roman does. And Roman is still opening up to her. In chapter 10, the next day at work, everyone is congratulating Roman because it's now in the newspaper. And he's acting very happy and kind of like the Roman that we expect. But Iris knows the truth. She is then handed an assignment from Sarah and Sarah just says, hey, you know, they found a body and they want to see if anybody can come in to identify it. Iris reads the description and it sounds an awful lot like her mother. (laughs) So she runs to the station and verifies, yes, it is. It is her mom. It turns out she was hit about 10.45 the night before by a tram. And I just want to subtly throw back to the moment when Iris was almost hit by a tram. I don't know if there's a connection there or if trams are just the main form of transportation here. But I thought that was an interesting connection that kind of fit here. In chapter 11, Iris returns home with her mother's stuff and she is grieving. She falls asleep in her mother's bed and wakes up the next day to Roman knocking on the door. He had brought her her coat and was checking on her saying that, you know, she rushed out and everyone was worried about her. And You know, he just wanted to see if she was okay. He offers to get a doctor for her. He offers to go get her soup or a sandwich or whatever she wants to help her feel better. But she doesn't tell him what's wrong. And she's embarrassed about where she lives. So she rushes him out the door. However, (laughs) um, you know, throwing in some of the romance aspect, Roman does not leave until he hears her lock the door behind him. In chapter 12, Iris, still grieving, writes a letter and sends it through the wardrobe. Basically just saying that she just lost somebody close to her and, you know, just talking about her grief. Roman replies, telling the story of his sister's death 
and how he kind of blames himself because he wasn't watching her and she had drowned. And he tells her that she's not alone. And I don't know how I always tend to do this. I feel like I end on like really good chapters <laughs> for each episode. I feel satisfied in this as a stopping point until next week. So I hope you guys too do too. Blech. I I was going to make it through a whole episode without tum- stumbling over my words. Now that I did it once, I can't stop. Um, <laughs> geez. But I hope you guys like the book so far. I'm excited to see where it goes. I am kind of hoping that we get a lot of the war. I know that sounds kind of dark, um, but I'm very interested in this mortals fighting for gods concept. So I don't know. We'll see where it goes, but let me know your guys' thoughts so far. I want to hear what you think's going on, how you're liking it, and we'll go from there. Next week, we are going to be reading chapters 13 through 24, and we'll be talking about those. We will also be drawing the winner for that contest on Instagram. So like I said, you guys still have a week to enter. And to finish off the episode, I want to introduce you guys to who has become a dear friend of mine. She is celebrating her newest release in just a couple days here. So everyone, please help me welcome Camilla Tracy. How's the sound coming in? I was playing some settings. I have an old podcasting microphone I'm using and yeah, you sound great. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was actually, fantastic. so I was really excited. Um, I was really excited because I, I, I kind of stalked you a little bit. Um, oh, yay! All your, <laughs> I've been listening to all your podcasts, and so I've been catching up. And then Aww. I was like, oh, "She's a Disney fan. We're we're gonna be best friends." Um, oh my gosh! <laughs> What's your favorite Disney, Disney movie? I'm yeah. In, oh, that's too hard. <laughs> that's too hard a question. Um, I do think Treasure Planet is super underrated. Ooh, that's my favorite. It, I I can kind of watch Encanto over and over again, so that's like the movie I put on. I I know that's the one I just watch over and over again. Um, I did watch that one over and over again. <laughs> and I, any any movie really like I just like to just go out and like put on something that I haven't seen in a little while and and watch it and uh i i go to disney world and i go to disneyland i was just in disneyland in um august oh, yeah, I, was august. Just, I was just in disneyland like a week ago <laughs> oh, i'm so jealous and then i was in disney world in september oh fun yeah we did the uh the not so scary halloween party um and then i was there Isn't for d23 awesome. Oh, it's so much fun. That was the first time I'd done one of, like, the after-hours parties before. So it was really cool to, like, experience that. Um, and then with D23, they took us to Epcot for a night. And so after Epcot had closed to everybody else, it was only open to the D23 members. So I bum-rushed to Guardians of the Galaxy, and I literally wrote that over and over and over, like, as much as I possibly could in the three hours that we were allowed to be there. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And how was it? So I, the last time I was at Epcot in Disney World, it was right before Guardians opened. So I haven't been on Guardians. Um, but it's I've seen hands like, down. And... Yeah. Hands down my favorite ride. 
Aww, it's like awesome. Space Mountain on steroids. It is so much fun. It I it like the music that they have because there's like five different music choices, and so every time you ride, that was my goal that night was to get all the different songs. Um, but you? it's uh, no, I was one short. I got a couple re- repeats, and so I ended up missing like one of the five. I was so upset, but it's okay. I'm not. I'm not mad about it. But I was like, that was my goal. <laughs> But um, so in three hours, how many times did you get on it? Six, which is pretty good considering um, they still have like a you have to sign up for like the digital queue uh, or the virtual queue is what they call it. You have to sign up for the virtual queue in the mornings to write it. So to get on for six times in three hours, I'm never going to be able to do that again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, my current favorite is Flight of Passage. The safari. Okay. Ride. I have a problem writing that one because my calves are really long. I've got really long legs. So my calves, like my, between my knee and my foot, doesn't fit in the ride. Oh. So I was able to ride it once, but it was like extremely, it's so uncomfortable. So like I did it the first time, like when it had just come out. But every time I go now, I'm like, yeah, I'll skip it. Like, it's not, it, it's a fun ride. It's so, it's so good. But it just, it doesn't fit for my legs. And I'm like, tall people can't ride this ride. <laughs> it really depends two, on just, like, your proportions. I, I have two questions. Did you try Tron? Um, I tried the tester seat at Tron, and I couldn't get in. So I never got to ride Tron. Oh, that's, that's so sad. Um, yeah, I, I had the same either, issue with. I know that's got the yeah. same seats, right? Yeah. Um, so I had the same issue with Tron that I did with Flight of Passage. It was just way too uncomfortable for me to do it. And look, I'm not. I'm not gonna downplay. Like, I'm. I'm a plus size girl, but it wasn't the weight that was the issue. It was strictly like the size of my legs that yeah, I just couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it. Because I saw, like, shorter people that were bigger than me were still able to go on. So I was like, I don't understand why they made these seats so, like, small. (laughs) I think they forgot, like, since Tron is from Japan. Uh, Isn't it China, I think, in Shanghai? China, so Shanghai. Yeah, Yeah. so I've heard they they didn't um, adjust seats. For American size. Yeah. So yeah. I, I feel it. I feel the pain. Um, but the other yeah. thing I've heard is if you put your foot like flat down on those rides, so like the top of your foot lays on the ground, hmm. you can get away with a little more like distance. Like back, like backwards a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've, I've watched videos on like how to make yourself fit. So it might be, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how uncomfortable it would be. And I've heard someone broke a rib on tron oh no um oh geez she wasn't even going after disney about it she was just kind of like i i, I just want people to know she was she said she was very petite it, like crushed her um just in the positioning and stuff of the seat the yeah door streets. so i was like i feel like i could readjust these well my my husband went on it 
And he actually took my ticket because, like, it was at the not-so-scary party. And so, like, we were each able to sign up. Um, so he went on for his and then took my magic band and went on as me. <laughs> but he said that he understands, like, why they made it, like, the motorcycle style. Because they're trying to, you know, do the the light race. And I, I totally get that. But he also said it absolutely 100% was not necessary to make the seat so small. That you could get the exact same, like, if they just had, like, a lap belt as opposed to, like, fully putting something, like, against your back and, like, making you, like, lean forward, it's not necessary. That's too bad. Yeah. But it's okay. Honestly, like, I love Guardians of the Galaxy. And I told him, because he did um, Tron first and was like, that's my favorite ride. Like, nothing's ever going to beat that. And I was like, just wait. And then he he went on Guardians and he goes, okay, yeah, this one's better. <laughs> that's awesome. That's so good. Oh. I'm so excited yeah. for you. And I'm so happy for you. <laughs> You'll have to, once you, once you get over there, I want to hear your thoughts. Yes, I think uh, my next trip out to Florida will probably be January 2025. As okay. I'm trying to hit um, the Festival of the Arts. I love going during the festival times. It's my favorite so time good. to go to Epcot. Mm-hmm. I do. I like the arts one. Food and wine. I haven't yeah, done, I was I haven't done gonna... arts. And I've done flower and garden. So. Oh, okay. I think I've done all of them at this point. Um, my favorites are probably the arts because I love like all the local art- artists that come in. And then... Um, the food and wine is probably my second. Like, the flowers are gorgeous, don't get me wrong, but I feel like you get a little bit more out of the food and wine. But. Yes. Yeah. Definitely yeah, worth going. So I hope you have. Yes, all the time. Yes. <laughs> but I don't know. You should you should consider going out in October for Romanticy. I think that would be fun. I Yeah, I I haven't even thought about doing cons. So I, no? I will definitely have to think about that. <laughs> Romanticy sounds like I can't believe there's a con just for Romanticy. And I was like, that that's definitely something I should do, even just to go and attend. That's what I'm doing. I'm just going to attend. I bought like the the VIP one so I could go to like the ball and <laughs> but and then I yeah, I'm like it's right. It's literally in like Disney Springs. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm definitely making a Disney trip when I'm out there. <laughs> Is it really? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's at the what is it? The B Hotel, um, which is like at Disney Springs. It's technically like a Disney property hotel. <laughs> oh, awesome! So I'm really excited for that. But a couple of the authors and I were talking about um, like making like a group Disney trip. I'm like, that'll be so much fun. <laughs> would be oh my goodness <laughs> yeah, so so yeah i've been stalking you and uh I, I love all the things you're doing and i love all oh. the i think i have half of the, the things from your etsy shop in uh in my cart oh <laughs> you're so sweet oh my gosh thank you that's amazing but, yeah oh very excited to be i love here. it very excited to be talking to you <laughs> oh I'm excited to talk to you, too. I want to know a ton about your books. I love that you have an Asian main character. Because you don't see it too often, unfortunately. And I think, like, 
the Asian culture has very strong women in it. So I'm excited for that. <laughs> I'm going to start. You can give me a little bit more about your series. Absolutely. So uh, my series is about a age girl who grew up as a merchant. So she grew up sailing the ocean, going from place to place with her family. And then all of a sudden her brother dies and her family decides that to keep her safe, they're going to send her to the school that they were helping build, build a school where one of the options is to be a merchant. So she gets sent there and she is, it's fish out of water. Um, she's never really hung out with people her own age before in the school setting, especially then she is really uncomfortable because she's not used to it. And she also has a secret to hide. So she has a magical secret she's hiding from everyone. And then she meets a mysterious man who really challenges her mentally, uh, and just she gets along with really well and she starts falling for him and doesn't question it. But there's lots of found family because she gets to know the, her, her classmates and and yeah, so it's a little academy. Um, there's a tiger and a snake and a dog and a horse. Uh, I just assume, I don't really mention the horse as much just because it is medieval fantasy-ish and I feel like horses are kind of guaranteed with that. But she has a, <laughs> a, a magical connection with them and it's a little bit um, with animals. And there's magical things that happen. And as you kind of go on the series, uh, dragons come in and more mythical tr creatures come in. And it's becomes a, it, the world opens up and things get serious and there's more things happening. And yeah, so it's it's kind of neat for me to finally see it out in the world. Um, I've been working on this series for quite a long time. And yeah, so I'm excited for people to see it. One of the reasons I, I decided to publish it and pursue this as a career is because um, there aren't that many Asian, especially in fantasy. So that was one of my motivating mm -hmm. factors is to put out um, representation of Asian character. And I actually specifically in my book don't use a lot of the typical um, Asian descriptors like almond-shaped eyes or mm -hmm. um, ivory skin a lot because I wanted people to feel what it's like to her to stick out, like people to notice that she sticks out and she doesn't get to choose that she sticks out like she people just know her they recognize her either because because she's famous like her family is famous so people just recognize her and people just know her she doesn't really have a choice in that and she doesn't have a choice in being visually different either so how important was it to you that you didn't use those descriptors i didn't actually notice until one of my writing group members said why is she different like I don't I don't think you've mentioned why she's different and so I, from that point I decided to keep it that way and then I do make a note at the end the author's notes that I did that purposely um mm -hmm. so it, it kind of became more important once I realized it was happening right and I knew, I mean, I knew the cover was going to have an a, like Asian girl on it. So I was like, right. that should also kind of give it away a little bit. 
do you think that there's a reason that you like subconsciously did that or was it just happenstance? I think teenage me who loved fantasy and loved YA fantasy just wanted to see someone who looked okay. like me in it. So, yeah. And that's what they say, right? Is to write the book you want to read. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I mean, I I had this go. I had this at the first draft of the book and then I knew something was missing from it and you know how they say, well, what you said and also write what you know. Yes. So, the other thing I know is animals. So once I was like, oh, my gosh, there has to be animals in this book. Uh, I knew that was this was the book. Did your choice in animals um, like mean anything to the story? I wish I could say I planned it. I wish I could say <laughs> it did. Um, someone's pointed out to me that all these animals are in the like Chinese Zodiac. And I, I didn't realize that until after. Um, I, I would say simply that I put a tiger in there cause that's cool and very noticeable, a giant orange and black striped tiger. Um, I also put the snake in there kind of as a fair representation. So it wasn't all fuzzy creatures. There mm -hmm. was a slithery one too. And then dog was just dog. Um, but I did actually change the breed of the dog. So originally I, I imagined kind of what, um, uh, the dog comes from like cold arctic weather and i i imagine like a husky right that's kind of what everyone kind of comes to mind a husky or something a big malamute or something like that right and i actually found out that there was a man who ran the iditarod so the iditarod is a, a i think it's the longest dog sled race don't quote me on that one it's it's like it's the most famous dog sled race in alaska and there was a man who ran the Iditarod with a team of poodles. And I have two poodles myself. I've actually been lucky enough to help a friend of mine breed poodles. And so I've seen poodles and I've helped raise puppies from like the day they were born and till like till they go home and so cute. But I think it's when you think of poodle, you think of like the poodles in like the crazy show cuts, right? With the puffs on their butt and mm -hmm. shaved legs and like puffs on their, their arms and stuff and there's just so much more than that. So now that I have two poodles and I see how versatile they can be and how sporty they can be and the fact that they had a team of poodles run in like frozen weather, um, I purposely made the dog a poodle and refer here and there to like curly hair or some of the challenges that, you know, comes with poodles, like having to brush them or shave them um, constantly in there as kind of as an advocate. Um, or poodles that they're not just you know dogs with silly haircuts mm -hmm. yeah so i so I, I didn't intend to going in but then i did kind of make a few choices specifically um along the way yeah exactly like do you have a career in animals or are you just an animal lover both i do have a career in animals so um i'm a dog trainer and i work at a facility regularly and I take on private clients and I have um around I guess the same time that I I started writing more I've always loved animals and opportunity came up to actually learn and get my certification in schooling um with some of my friends and colleagues so I jumped at the opportunity mostly because my husband was like you love animals you should just go and do it so 
like, oh, if my husband's saying I should do it, I, I should go and do it. <laughs> so I did. And it's the best thing I ever did. And I love it. And I do. I kind of have a half a foot in like animal training. And then I have half a foot in writing and and publishing and being an author. So, yeah. So you self-publish then? Yes. Um, I, I self-publish and it's the best decision I ever made. I, I am a bit of a control freak. I enjoy, I very much enjoy having my hand in many different pies at the same time. I like having different projects. Um, I really like that I can get up and be like, I don't really feel like writing at the moment. I'm going to go and make graphics on Canva. Or mm-hmm. I love or Canva. Go check on these stats, and oh my gosh, I just got Canva Pro, and I, I worth can't it, believe it right? took me so long. Oh, yeah. so worth it. <laughs> I use Canva for everything. <laughs> yes, it's amazing. It's so good. So yeah, I you know I really now that I made the decision and I'm in it, I it was definitely the right decision for me. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Like the worst learning curve that you had for independent publishing was for you? Ooh, okay. So I was pretty lucky in that I, I like to take courses. Um, I'd say that my other passion is teaching. So I believe in taking courses and education. So I was really lucky in finding a few amazing courses that I took. that really, I think, smoothed the path for me as far as learning curve for self-publishing. Um, and for advertising and marketing, I would say that the hardest thing for me to figure out was which vendors to put upload to in what order and the wait time and, and that kind of thing. That was probably the, the longest learning curve. The first time I published, it took me about three weeks. Um, also, don't go on a trip in the middle of your publishing time. Um, oh, no. <laughs> because that kind of interrupted it. Um <laughs> I went to Disneyland um, in August and I was, <laughs> I was like, this was a bad decision to go decide to put something out right before I was going somewhere. But it worked out. I mean, it was my first book, so it wasn't super important that it was on every single vendor possible at the, that moment. So I've now learned pre-orders um, are kind of the way to go. If you can put up your pre-order, you kind of have your book out three weeks before you're actually ready for saying it's going to be out. That really gives you the time to upload to different places so that they don't get mad at you. Mm-hmm. So to me, that was kind of the biggest. Um, that and probably managing all the different aspects. Uh, you are a small business. And, you know, as an indie author, you are the publisher. You are the producer of your work and your as well as the person marketing it and selling it and handling all the infrastructure as as far as uploading to vendors and creating graphics and creating all kinds of things so obviously there's help i have i have contracted lawyers and etc but yeah i think a lot of people might be surprised by how much is involved in indie publishing Yes. Um, it's interesting because I think sometimes people get overwhelmed with it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always like to tell those people, you know, it's a great time to publish because you can do as little or as much as you want. 
And the some of the best advice I ever got was don't have to do it all right now. So whether that came to the marketing part or whether that came to whatever part you want to think about, um, that has kind of helped me keep my sanity. And there's always something to do. It keeps you busy. <laughs> yes, I am a person who likes to keep busy. So the, the always something to do part is is wonderful for me. Me too. If I sit for too long, I go stir crazy. Don't. I don't even sit for very long. I crochet as well. So like my hands are always busy, even if I'm watching TV or yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, if I watch TV, I have to be doing something. So my husband and I, I know they say, like, don't eat when you watch TV. But, like, we do. We eat dinner in front of the TV because I can't just sit and watch TV. So if I didn't do things while watching TV, I literally would never watch it. <laughs> the only time that I can, like... TV and eat, yeah. too. Yeah. Yes. The only time that I can, like, sit and watch is if I'm in a theater. And even then, I do start to get antsy towards the end. So... I don't know. <laughs> oh, I'm with you. I, I feel like, I mean, usually I'm pretty entranced in a theater because it's dark and yes. now their seats are amazing. So it's very, very comfortable. Oh, yeah. I only go to recliners now. If there's not a recliner, Eat. I won't go to that theater. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm completely with you. I'm like, if I'm paying money to go see a movie in a theater, I'm, I, I want a recliner seat. Yeah. I have to be comfortable. I'll bring a blanket even. Like... I'm that person. <laughs> oh. Absolutely. I'm with you. Yes, I bring a blanket too. So we'll get back into your book in a minute. But since we're kind of a little off topic already, uh, what else do you do like in your spare time? What do you do for fun? For fun? I, th I love training animals. So as much as that is also work, it's also fun. Um, I have I currently have two dogs and a horse. So possibilities and just seeing the differences between even all three or or just how two dogs kind of do a certain activity uh, is a lot of fun um watch a lot of tv and movies a lot of streaming stuff a lot of stories reading and uh i also teach uh children in an extracurricular activity so it's uh it keeps me busy and it keeps me occupied as far as different ways to think about things and and uh, I have a I'm, I call myself a behavior nerd so I love um modifying behavior in animals so that's that's pretty much what a dog trainer dog trainer does we modify behavior so it's it's very exciting and it's very different and the challenges are always super fun and yeah if I I have I like to talk behavior I like to talk animals I also like to talk writing and and uh, my other excitement when is when it comes to like productivity so creating habits and organizing my year and organizing my quarter too awesome what are you currently watching and reading oh my gosh so um i just started iron flame you know when you okay save a book for like like you know this book is going to be good so you save it for when you have time to just binge read it and like sit there for two right. days without moving and read it that's iron flame for me so i've been i've been like starting it very slowly but i'm kind of there's a couple of things i want to finish um this for before i like dive into it very carefully reading that one um i'm also reading <laughs> a game of gods 
we're in between TV shows right now. Thinking about starting oh, The Crown. I'm... Um, like I've watched a season or two of The Crown. My husband has not. So now that there are so many seasons out, I'm thinking about starting again. I've been thinking about starting The Crown. I've never seen it, but it's it's been on my list for a while. Yeah, I I watched think i watched the first season and maybe part of the second one but it's been so long i, I probably should just start from the beginning anyways so, yeah mm-hmm. that's that's kind of um that's what we do in the in our spare time we live we're pretty boring we just kind of call ourselves house mice we don't like to go out yeah <laughs> no we're the same um uh, oh my gosh yeah I, I watch i feel like i'm old because i watch everything with subtitles now because oh me too like, wait i didn't catch that okay good yeah. okay i need to see that no 100 percent. look i turned 30 and i was like okay i'm just gonna sink into all the oldness and accept it good place and to it's be. been great <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm like i wear crocs 90 percent of the time now i have blankets i'm always cold um i have subtitles on my tv's probably too loud <laughs> I get excited over like a new vacuum filter. I'm like, (laughs) oh my gosh, you're not an adult until you're like, oh my gosh, look at this. I have, we have like (laughs) furnace filters. And I was like, we're Mm -hmm. totally adults because I'm so excited for for this. Or like, I have uh, my newest favorite appliance is my robot vacuum. Yes. I have one that mops and one that vacuums. (laughs) <laughs> i'm jealous i'm waiting for the mopping one i, I was like oh, oh that would be amazing i got it on a black friday sale a couple of years ago because it was like the the set of two for like the price of one and i was like done i haven't like obviously you still have to vacuum sometimes but for the majority i haven't vacuumed like a full vacuum i do it like once a year for christmas when family's coming but otherwise like i don't vacuum the rest of the year like the robots do it for me <laughs> It's amazing. I, I love like I love sitting it. there with my morning coffee and watching my vacuum go around. I'm mm-hmm. like, haha, I don't have to do anything and the floor is going to be clean. This is amazing. Okay, serious question though. What did you name right. your robot? We just call it its brand name. We call it Oofy. Oh. Don't I mean, that's kind of a cute that. name though. That's a cute name. Okay, uh, what, we do, call what did you ours- name yours. Yeah, it's Pablo. And we call it Pablo because uh, it's like, what was it? We looked it up. It was like sweep or vacuum or something in Spanish is Escoba. I'm probably pronouncing that really <laughs> wrong because I'm I'm way too white. So we named it Pablo Escoba, like Pablo Escobar. Yeah, and we yeah. say he snorts the dust. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> And then we didn't really name yeah we didn't name the mob we just call her mrs pablo <laughs> <laughs> but That's um perfect. yeah we 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 were pretty proud of that <laughs> uh, yeah yeah you should be because that that's amazing i'm wondering i can't remember what escope i'm gonna look it up escope. yeah i'm like oh it means broom oh yeah so it was it was close but it was it was clever i'm like yeah i'm happy with this decision (laughs) yes yes definitely 
but yeah, even we we like fully jumped into buying as much like how can we make our life easier products. So we got like a water fountain for our dog, so we don't have to refill their bowls. <laughs> like yeah, um, we got a baseboard buddy, so it's like the stick, so we don't have to like get on our hands and knees to like clean the baseboards. <laughs> That's amazing. But I mean, do you have the extension on your vacuum to clean the lint trap in your dryer? Ooh, that's a good one. No, that's going on my Christmas list ASAP. Yes. Yes. It's it is a uh It's funny. Like I, I we didn't actually notice and someone didn't t- someone told me it was like when there's too much lint in your lint dryer will push up that little like lint trap catcher mm-hmm. and then that will catch your clothes and it makes holes in your clothes interesting so, i always just like clean it with to... like with my hand i just like reach in there and like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it has yeah so you know that's for for like you know when you get really into um, it that and you yeah, can clean, vacuum to do you know it you for can me clean your your washing machines filter i heard about that i think i saw like a video on tiktok or something and they were is that like where you like pull out the hose and like drain it yeah i haven't done that yet i did see a tiktok video on it and i was like i don't even want to know how gross mine is <laughs> there's like a little trap door either on the front or on like the side of your washing machine and you have to open that to pull the hose out um i only know that because horses i wash my horse stuff in our washer and dryer which is i mean i wish i had a second washer and dryer for that only we do and the hair comes out is amazing because i have non-shedding dogs so i don't have dog i don't have hair in my house it's just when it's like shedding season or like the horse stuff that i have to clean so we like do a full clean of our washing machine and dryer when we when i like wash all the horse stuff yeah, that's that's amazing. Oh man, okay, I should film it when I do it. See how gross it is. <laughs> I'm gonna send it to you and be like, Camilla, okay, <laughs> look what you did. <laughs> <laughs> like it's your fault. It's so gross. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Look, well, as no, of right it's, it's now, amazing, it doesn't right? exist. Like go, oh my goodness. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it doesn't exist right now. I'm not. It's not even on my list of things to do at the moment. <laughs> take it even further have you ever like um soaked your laundry like soaked clean clothes what is it called There's a special name for it but like you put all your clothes especially like your workout clothes in the bathtub fill it with okay. hot water and you fill it with like washing soda and detergent and you stir it around and leave it for like eight hours oh it's disgusting even the clean clothes i can imagine Yes, it's like it. I know the water turns like maybe this is just my clothes, but it turns like black, and you're like, where is that even coming from? Right. When we were in, so my husband and I went to um, Europe for a couple weeks, and we didn't want to like take more suitcases because we didn't want to pay for extra bags. So we took half as much clothes, and then we brought these like little detergent sheets. So that we could like do our own laundry in the bathtubs. 
And that water was disgusting. (laughs) But it was our dirty clothes, to be fair. But... That was that was an interesting time, like washing your clothes in the laundry or in the bathtub just because we didn't want to pay for extra bags. But I'm glad yeah, we did smart. it that way though, because I I didn't want to have two giant suitcases, you know. Yeah. But I'm not good at packing light, but I wish I was. <laughs> well, I'm getting better at it because um for my Etsy shop, I travel around the country and like, go to a bunch of different conventions. So, I kind of live out of my car sometimes. Only because, like, I'll, I'll obviously stay in, like, hotels and, like, shower and, you know, all that good stuff. But I'm driving, like, the entire month of September, I drove from Arizona to Orlando and then back, making stops along the way. It was literally a month of me just driving across the country. And I do that about once a year because September, like September, October is usually the busy time. And so Mm -hmm. I'm planning on doing that again this year or next year um, for Romanticy. It's on my my circuit now. So I'm going to drive again from like Arizona. I think I'm going to go to like Utah and then Florida and then New York and then back to Arizona. (laughs) Wow. So... Yeah, but I, I've gotten better. Like, that has forced me to get better at packing light. Um, mm. Because I only have so much space in my car, and I need room for, like, bringing everything that I'm taking with me. Like, I have a lot of different, like, T-shirts and, um, oh, yeah. like, all and the other stuff. Oh, yeah, you put all your product and stuff in there, too? I hope you have a big car. Uh-huh. Um, I have a RAV, like, a RAV4. Me so it's, it's decent. Do you really? best friend has Ew. one too and i was like what is up with this <laughs> it's hilarious and i even have a, like a rav4 story so i learned to drive on a 99 rav4 so like the ones with like really? the silver bumpers and then we had a 2010 rav4 and now i have a uh, another rav4 as well that's awesome i just got my first so my rav4 was my first brand new car that i've ever bought for myself um before that, I always bought, like, pre-owned or, like, had, like, hammy dance or whatever. So we got it in 2020 is when we got my RAV4. And I love it. It's literally, like... car. Yeah. Yeah, we did. I was so excited. It's, like, my favorite thing ever. I love my car. <laughs> There's, like, that sense it of is. pride in it, too, that, like, I, I was able to buy it myself and... You know, I never, I grew up pretty poor. So there was like that, that moment where I was like, the, I'm the first person to drive this car. It had two miles on it. And that was for me test driving it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I I love my RAV4. I'm with you. I, I will only ever have Toyotas because I love them so much, but. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, even when I get a new car, I'll probably get another RAV, just like the upgraded one. <laughs> Yes, yeah. I hope, like, if they do, like, an electrical, like, a fully electric one, I might do that. But I have to keep in mind, like, with me traveling so much, it might make traveling across the country a little more difficult. So. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. I think they do have an all-electric one. 
Do they? I haven't really kept up since I bought mine. I was like, okay, I don't care anymore because I didn't want to have like buyer's remorse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I get that for sure. Um, I know that they were planning to have a fleet, like their whole fleet is going to have electrical efficiency and electric versions, I think by a certain year. Mm -hmm. I know they had like a hybrid when I bought mine. Um, I didn't get the hybrid. Like I have like the eco mode. But I didn't get the hybrid um, because I was worried about, you know, driving as much. But uh, yeah, my mom has a hybrid, and, but I don't have a hybrid. I feel like we have the same car. Um, I have the XLE. Also 2020. Yeah. I don't remember which one I have. Oh, okay. That's okay. But we probably have the same. What color is yours? It's blue. Oh, okay. I have a white one. Oh, nice. I really, I, I wanted before. the gray one, like the the charcoal gray. That's the one I really wanted. Yeah. And I ended up, they they didn't have the gray one. They were like, we could get it, but it's going to take like a month, blah, blah, blah. And I'm impatient, you know. But at the same time, I looked at the white and I looked at the front of it and I said, it kind of looks like a stormtrooper helmet awesome and then after that i was like nope that's the one i want i want the white one now because <laughs> i it looked like a stormtrooper and i was like this is great so that's why i ended up with the white one i was like yeah i want the trooper <laughs> that's, that's awesome yeah but we can get back into the book now um because i know yes. we kind of tangented for a while there but i i have more questions about your writing <laughs> Yes, please do. Yeah, we probably should get back to uh, that. We'll, we'll no, it's totally fine. Again, another time for sure. <laughs> this is what happened with me and um, RM Gray. We literally just tangented and ended up talking for like three hours. <laughs> <laughs> so it was about everything, just like everything and anything we just like talked about. But um, let me look at my list of questions here. Where did we leave off? How did you come up with the title? Oh, that is an excellent question knew what doing the courses watching like marketing things i wanted something that kind of had a pattern to it i cannot tell you how it became of something and something i can tell you it's always of something and something and the second something is always ocean related okay they they're all like symbolic in some way of the book that happens in it I was just going to ask, if, is the ocean theme symbolic? And yes. <laughs> yes, I would say the first one is probably the most, um, the least symbolic, just because I wanted to have oceans in there because she's a merchant. And so the ocean is, ocean is important to her. And even though, funny enough, not a lot of the book happens on the ocean. Um, it's mostly, they're mostly in school. And threads kind of alludes a little bit to the magic i like that i like the imagery of magic being threads i really enjoy that imagery oh yes it and then it, it gets to be even more and four is actually going to be i haven't fully decided on the title yet so i probably shouldn't say anything um, <laughs> the threads do come back Okay. How many books are you planning in the series? Have. 
nine books total, um, six books in this chronological story. Three books are prequels. So the first prequel that is going to be the fourth book coming out this 10th is actually like a centuries before prequel. And then I have a second prequel, like a generation before, about more about her parents. Then I have a third prequel that com- will come out between books five and six in the chronological story is kind of like within the last 10 years before the first book happens that you kind of need to know before the sixth book comes out. Okay. It might interest you to know I'm writing the, the sixth book's first draft is done. That was before the first book came out. Wow. So you're a planner for sure. <laughs> oh, I'm actually a pl- a pantser. Really? Yes. Um, I get too bored if I plan it out. So I'm actually a pantser. But what I the reason I have so many manuscripts kind of backlogged is because I decided to put this like as an indie author, the the work is hard. It's not an easy thing to do. It's not like a it's a very time consuming and it's something that actually, you know, you have to work at. So at the beginning, when I was thinking about becoming an author, I really wanted to see whether or not I could do it. So I kind of put little challenges in front of myself. So the first one was like, can I finish a manuscript? Okay, can I finish two manuscripts? And then I just kind of kept going and can I can I write regularly? And I get that some people are binge writers. So some people write like, you know, chunks at a time, months in between. Um, I wanted to know whether or not I could do this as a habit, like write wouldn't say every day i mean during nano i write every day or at least five days a week um i wanted to see whether or not i could write consistently so i did and then i put another challenge in front of myself like can i write something that's not in this world so if i'm going to be totally upfront i actually have 15 manuscripts wow not for you they're like first draft most of them Still, getting the first draft is, I feel like, the hardest part, right? Yeah. yeah. And then, like, some of the advice I got was to publish rapidly if I could. So because I had so many manuscripts, uh, three years ago is when I started to find an editor and I started to go through the process. So I've kind of had a backlog so that I could publish um, August and then October, December, February. And then the next one will be May, probably. Wow. That's yeah, and it, I mean, really nice as a reader, though, to get those so quickly. Yes, yeah, exactly. And I mean, when I think about it, I'm like, sometimes I have to like take a moment when someone asks me a question because I go, wait, how far? How far? How far is like general public, and how far is like is my head going? Because I I have so many different timelines as far as like characters are at even like psychologically and what what has happened again and then i'm like wait that happens in this book so we're at that book and and so it goes back and forth a little bit yes Mm -hmm. yeah so i have like even right now i am proofing i'm doing the proofreader's notes right now for book four that's coming out just sent book four chronologically so the fifth book to come out but book four chronologically to my editor at the beginning of december um 
NaNoWriMo, I was writing a different project and now I'm writing um, writing something in the same world. But it's actually, I mean, I book that's releasing on February 10th is supposed to be a standalone. A lot of people have asked me, they're like, oh, we're so excited for the next one. And I was like, oh, I don't have a next one for you. Um, so I've just started to to work a little bit on the project that maybe one might have a sequel. Mm-hmm. So it's in the same universe, though, like a spinoff? Yes. Okay. Did you write that chronologically or was it more of like a surprise to you? <laughs> Um, so this book coming out, I I guess I have a fun story for it. It was a NaNoWriMo. It was like November 1st. And I was meeting a friend for a coffee date writing session. And she was like, oh, are you doing NaNo? And I was like, um, sure. And because I didn't have anything planned for that, our little coffee date writing session. So I was like, okay, what can I do? And then I was thinking about the characters, I think, in the book. And I was like, It'd be really fun. It'd be really fun to explore this character's story. So I started with that. And then the other thing I'd like to do for Nano is I'd like to challenge myself to something different. So I decided to write. So most of my stories are all um, third person perspective. I decided to do first person perspective for this book. Multiple points of view. Points of view. First person perspective, but it tells the story in chronological order. Interesting. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, this book is about siblings. So, uh, it's called Socks Candy, which is derived from the the Scandinavian word called Soskende. I think I'm not pronouncing that properly. I apologize. But that is a word. I think it's a Danish word for siblings, and I loved the the sound of that word so much that I I changed it a little bit. So it's called socks candy, and that is the term for these four siblings, um, in this dragon family that can they can speak to each other mind to mind. They are royalty as well, so they are they have different roles and. Are recovering from some trauma as well and yeah they each have kind of their own little story going on within the bigger story as well and also on that's coming out on the 10th yes yeah, wow okay cool that's awesome yeah do you so i know you you say it's a standalone but do you get more out of it if you've read the first three in the series I think there are like there are like really fun Easter eggs and it will inform you a lot better if you read Socks Candy and then you can like if you, the reading order. So if you read one, two, three and then you read Socks Candy and then you read the the rest of them it will inform you a lot more because I do drop a lot of hints in three about things that have happened to a certain character. Okay. And so you find out more about that in this in this book. It also gives you there's like there's like a big spoiler in if you've been reading the other books, you'll know, prepare yourself for in this book, but you don't have to know it going in. So you can start off fresh on this book, too. Okay. So your recommended reading order is your publication order, then? Yes. 
Got it. No. I like, yeah, it makes it really easy to follow. <laughs> like the list on like the back of the page where it's like, this is the, the like the books that have come out. I'm like, I'm going to keep this as the reading order for now. Yeah. Are there any real life experiences or people that you know that influence the plot or characters? There are certainly names that I've used that have special meaning to me in that are named in the in the books. Um, I have a terrible memory, so I am sure there are things that <laughs> have actually happened in my life that are actually in the books or that are reflections of of people that I know or experiences I've had. But I, I could not tell you which ones they were. And I could not tell you which ones were real and which ones were my memory. So um, <laughs> I'm definitely a full believer in like the experiences you've had kind of create the person you are. So I've been absolutely lucky to put that together, I guess. So I don't know if that's a good answer for you. It's good enough. I like it. Did you always want to be a writer? No. Um, that's a, a fun question because I did not realize that people did not make up stories and worlds in their head until I was in my 20s. So I was actually, I have a biology degree. Wow. Actually, I have an honors biology degree. I had to write a thesis for it. Wow, I could never. I, um, well, doing that in your undergrad makes it so you... It makes you really know what it, what it is, what it takes to do a thesis for your master's. And uh, that wasn't it for me. So I was actually on track to be into research or going into um, vet med, perhaps. Or now looking back, I probably would have gone into vet behavior or just behavior in general. Um, but it was in my 20s that I realized that not everyone made up stories in their head. So I started taking, I just took like a local community course on like general writing. And it was like one of those courses where you got to do a little bit of everything, like article writing, essay writing, interviews, et cetera. And in that I was like, oh, making stuff up in your head, it's fun. And I, it was pretty easy for me. So I just decided like, let's try that. And then just one thing kind of led to another and those little challenges and I had a remember when blogs were a thing? I don't know. Yes. If, okay. So like <laughs> blogs were a thing. So when blogs were a thing, I had a blog that I my first little challenge to myself was to write like every day. So I wrote and put it up on a blog every single day, like every Monday to Friday or something. And I, I remember sometimes it was like midnight um and i was like or like 11:50 and i was still writing put something up and did it and so doing that kind of made me feel like i might be able to write a whole book so so i guess and then just through those kind of small steps i realized that this was something i really wanted to do well i'm glad you did because the world needs your stories thank you <laughs> but it's I'm excited. um it's always so fascinating, like, learning new things about the human brain. Like, I found out that some people don't visualize, like, images in their imagination. Right. Are I was you, just talking to yeah. someone about that. I, I watch, I see a movie when <laughs> I read books. 
But some people right. don't. Some people hear like voices being like they like being told the story. And I was like, mm-hmm. I feel bad for you. No, I watch full movies. Like I yeah. can give you like descriptions of what's in the background of the scene, even if it's not described in the book, like my brain fills it in. I have full mental imagery when I read um, or like listen to anything. And it is, I feel so blessed to think like that. And then someone told me that they don't think that way. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what? Like, what do you even do? (laughs) Yes, I know. Um, And something that's been really neat is, I guess this is a piece of advice when you have readers read your your first drafts, like readers that don't all see it like a movie, because I get very different feedback. Um, one person who who like hears it spoken to them, and then one person who sees it like a movie. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of neat, but yeah, I feel bad for those people that I'm like I like I see yes! the whole movie and I literally turn it off and turn it on and I'm like. Oh, like sometimes in my head, I'm like, let's go watch that show. And I'm like, wait, that's not a show. That That's a book. Right. <laughs> I have like, like soundtracks that. in my head too. Like if it's like a cliffhanger, I'm like, dun, 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 you know, <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel that like having that sort of imagination helped you with your like descriptions of things? I think so. I hope so. I guess. um, my writing group partners is super into description, so she's always great at being like, yeah, I want to know what's going on here. Like, what, what does it look like, smell like, feel like, colors. Right. So that's super helpful, too. Um, I love the dialogue most, so I, I tend to sometimes I'll skip over some things for dialogue and then someone will go, hey, are we in this room? And that's super <laughs> helpful. Um hope that you know seeing it like a movie sometimes i even imagine the character like when they walk into a room we look around and that comes out of more the the seeing things as a movie part than it does is like if you were to hear it being read to you or hear it or see the words on this on in your head like a screen i was like Mm -hmm. is that even how do you even how do you want to read it's just like seeing words on your head I think that might be the big difference between like people that really love to read and people that don't. Cause my husband, when, when I found this out, I asked him like what kind of imagination he has. And he says that he just sees words and I'm like, well, that's why you don't like to read because that you're reading it twice. Then you're reading it once on the page yeah. and then once in your head. So I understand why he doesn't like to read, but that's why I love to read because it's, it's a movie that nobody else is watching, you know? I feel like that's why I'm a slow reader too, because I read it in like a narrating narr- blah, blah, blah. I read it in a narrating like tone. So if I'm read something, I actually like take my time to say each word. I can read quickly, like if I have to. But to get the movie like paced the right way in my head, I read it like a narration. Yes, I'm with you. I'm yeah. also a slow reader because I I generally like to get all those details too. And yeah. Right. Like I can read quickly if I need to. Like if it's something that doesn't matter. Um, right. Or it's a chapter <laughs> like, I'm that not I don't enjoying like. this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like going back to if there's a chapter, a character you don't really like, and you're in their perspective for that chapter, and you're just trying to get to the chapter very, very quickly. I'm like, uh-huh. I'll just scan this page. 
I have a habit of like reading all the dialogue and then I'll go back and read like the descriptions that went with the dialogue that I skipped over <laughs> because I'm like, I want to know what they say. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like when you know something really exciting is about to happen and I like uh-huh. have to like really force my eyeballs not to go further down the page to see what it is. And you're like, I need to see the re- I need to get there in due time, not just jump ahead like I really, really want to. But sometimes I do if it's a really intense ahead. scene, right? If it's a really intense scene, I have to like cover half the page with my hand and like move my hand down as I read because I'm like, I'm definitely going to spoil it for myself. <laughs> That's a good idea. I need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> like the last page of Fourth Wing, you know what happens on the last page of Fourth Wing? I literally spoiled it for myself. Like I turned the page and it was the first thing I saw. And I was like, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so angry at myself for doing that because I was like this is like the big reveal and I just spoiled it for myself because I didn't cover that I literally flipped the page my I just went straight to the last line and I was like oh no (laughs) well that's the thing right like because sometimes usually when that kind of thing happens it's not very long so it's like three or four words I'm like I literally yeah it's like where your eyeballs go. So I, I totally get how that happens because I've definitely yeah. been like, oh, no, 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 don't look, don't look. And then been <laughs> like, okay, because I know something exciting has happened. There's like three words on there. Yeah. Right. And then I'm like, I know it's not very far in the future. Like, I'm going to get to it in less than a minute. But like, come on. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Put your patient pants on and just get there slowly. <laughs> right. Do you do cliffhangers in yours? Do you feel like you end each book with a cliffhanger? Uh, Yes. I didn't like cliffhangers in other books, but somehow I I happen to put huge cliffhangers in my own. I feel like it's enticement to bring people back to your next one, though. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I sure hope so. And it's um i've i've actually had to change some endings because we were very upset at where i left it and i went okay 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 i will add a little more oh so (laughs) how much influence do you have your um do you like give your beta readers to what you write that may have been (laughs) worded confusingly no i I think i get it um (laughs) I am someone who likes to poll the audience. So mm-hmm. I I take note of certain, I mean, certain things I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, if something is mentioned like multiple times, I'll kind of be like, oh, I should think about that. I should think about that. And then if it's mentioned like a third time, that's usually when I go, okay, I need to go and look at that or change something. Mm-hmm. I think I can give you an example without giving anything away. Yeah. Yes, I think I can. So there is somewhere in the books, there is something a character that shows up. And then he, then in my head, he goes away. But it was a real sticking point to everyone else. Like, how is this going to be worked out? Has, has this person like abandoned their previous life and is going to do this from now on? Or I was like, these people are really stuck on this. So I had to reword quite a few things mm-hmm. to make it very, very clear that it was just a like a moment. 
it wasn't going to be a permanent change. It wasn't going to be like a huge sticking point. It was just going to be something brief. And then was and then it wasn't a big deal because people were making it such a big deal out of it. So that was definitely something that I was like, oh, that's not what I expected. But mm-hmm. sometimes you get like caught up in wording, though. Um, I remember I was reading Fifty Shades of Grey when it first came out because all the hype was there and I was like, I want to know what's going on. Like, what's the hype about? I never watched the movie or anything, but I did read the book. Hated it for the record, but there was one scene and kiddos go away. Um, (laughs) There was one scene where they were, they were in a bathtub And she described using soap as a lubricant and then immediately um, started doing oral. And I was like, okay, but you didn't wash the soap off. (laughs) And I got stuck in this scene, reading the entire scene. I'm like, but there's soap there. (laughs) And I couldn't let it go. I just could not get over it. So I, I totally understand. I think it's important that, you know, your readers point those things out to you because you might overlook them but if it's you know if you did it for a reason or if it's important then yeah sometimes you have to ignore your betas (laughs) yes yeah and i mean it's it's always great to get feedback especially if you can i mean i think i think the hardest thing to do is to find really good feedback so when you do find good feedback um it's it's a very cool experience, I would say. One of the mm-hmm. coolest things I ever did was um, together a writing group. So it's we're all young adult writers. There's four or five of us. Four of us. Of us. Sorry. Um, and oh, like I feel like when when I first started putting it together, I was very scared that we were going to steal each other's stuff, or someone was going to steal someone's stuff, and that kind of thing and what's been very cool to discover is that we all write so differently we all write such different stories we're all working so hard to get our own stories out no one has time to go steal your stuff um but it's really cool to get five different perspectives right there's definitely some people out there that you know might (laughs) <laughs> be those types of people um but for the most part this community is just fantastic absolutely yeah i can tell you what's always going to be in my books yeah um, go for it because i've written so many manuscripts i kind of have a general idea that there's always going to be an asian protagonist um there's always going to be animals animal sidekicks that are awesome um times there are some very crazy mythological creatures there's always gonna be training montages i love a training montage so i love that training training bits and stuff in there and like practice fighting and fighting and stuff and i will say um shang chi oh yes yes shang chi yes okay yes I, there is a character there's a creature in there called a Dejang. And it's named I think in the movie it's named Morris. 
when that movie came out, I was so upset because <laughs> I have a Dejang in one of my books, and this is like it. It probably won't be released for years to come because it's in mm-hmm. another series. But and that series focuses a lot more on like Asian mythological creatures, and I have like a when you're doing like research for it, based off of a lot of like tapestries. And so one of the craziest creatures is literally a pillow, flies, with no legs, no face, emits flute music. Okay. That's a Dejang. And that's like what they put, but like what they put into the Marvel movie was like much prettier looking. Like it had like rainbowy wings, but it was like a pillow Uh that flies. I was like, oh, I love it, but I hate it because I was like, I put that in my book. And I'm so excited that more people will know what it is. But also, how crazy is it? It's a pillow with wings that flies around and right. emits flute music. <laughs> like, what? Do you know, like, the history of the Dijang? Or? Not really. Um, Just a little bit no. of, like, the description. And I would assume because it emits flute music, it was to lure someone something um i also don't i don't i don't love to look into the lot of the, a lot of the history for stuff like that because i'd like to kind of let my imagination run with it or mm-hmm. find a purpose for it so um it's a lot of fun though to like see different visual iterations of of things like a dejang or yeah. i don't know if i'm saying that properly either but that's okay it sounds good to me <laughs> I was going to ask, um, so it, it looks like there's different animals in each book. Is that an accurate statement? There are, I would say, more animals added in each book. So the tiger, the snake, and the dog are kind of with her all the time. Um, and then in the second book, it other animal kind of gets brought in. Then the third book, you discover there's a dragon um so i would say there's more and more but okay. there are still like her 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 like sidekicks her pals are are always with her for the most part okay this is a very important question because it does say animal magic do they speak to her they do not speak to her but she can communicate with them Okay. Okay. Interesting. I'm like, there's obviously some sort of communication that you know. Yes. I would assume yeah. It goes least. back to our, <laughs> our our threads of magic there. Hmm. I was just curious if other people could hear them as well or not. The dragon. Oh, the dragon. Too much oh. with that one, but yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. We'll have to. We'll have to read book three for that info. Uh, <laughs> uh. Um, okay, so can you give us any advice for anybody that wants to be a writer or um, anybody that is needing help with self-publishing? I would say there's not one way to be a writer. So you have to test it out and what works for you, what works best for you, whether that's writing every single day, whether that's writing once a week or writing once every few months and also the the method too some people 
type on a computer. Some people need to write by hand. And there are actually wonderful apps um, that you can now change text that you write by hand into actual like text for the computer. So you don't have to retype it all yourself. Or some people will like fiction, right? They they use voice memos and change that to text. I would say, you know, don't be discouraged if you see something saying you can only do it this way or you have to do it that way. I would say find your own way to do it. I mean, I have a friend who wrote most of her novel on her phone with her thumbs. So there's no correct way to do it. And if you're trying to publish, I guess I would reuse the advice that I got, which was two pieces, I guess. One would be you don't have to do it all at the same time. Um, you have time. That's the beauty of indie publishing is that the longer you're in it, the more books you have in it. It's more of a marathon. It's not a sprint. And then the second one would be to make sure you celebrate when you have your first book out. Um, I know that I, as I had planned, like one book launch, and then two months later, another book, another book, another book, I didn't plan to celebrate really because I was so in the thick of it. And I, some advice I got was to make sure you celebrate the first one. And I'm really glad I did because it it really took me, um, it was really nice to like feel that pride and something that you created yourself and put out there. So celebrate your first book or celebrate all your books and you don't have to do it all at the same time. I love that. I love that advice. Solid, solid. Yeah. Someone told me at one point that um, I had asked them if they were having a party for their second release and they said no. And I was like, but why? <laughs> no, you need to celebrate all of them they're like well it's just the sequel like it's not that important i was like no <laughs> all of them are I mean, important I did. we should have parties every book chance we can get <laughs> i didn't actually officially have a book party launch but i did celebrate <laughs> in other ways so i was That's i was good. very happy with the celebrations and yeah i think i think you can you can get especially indie published you can get super wrapped up in all the details and in like all the things that have to go a certain way that it's very easy to forget to celebrate and to take a moment to be like look at this amazing thing I did because it is amazing and yeah, yeah so make sure you do that most books go unfinished so if you finish that you're what is it you're in like the top like one percent of authors that finish or something like some crazy number about that yeah yeah. Around that. It's like so, if you finish the manuscript, you're in like very like the top two or three percent or something. And then if you publish it, it's like point zero. Something crazy. Something. Yeah. 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 Insane numbers. So just know you're doing something that the majority of people will never do in your life. So. We and there's you so deserve much room to for celebrate everyone, that. So everyone should yes. come and celebrate. Yes, Absolutely. All right, Camilla, um, you have your next book coming out here in just a couple days. Yes, yes I Go do. Go ahead and have... do this announcement for us. Okay, I, I do. I have my fourth book is coming out in just a few days on February 10th because it serendipitously landed on Radier. And in going along with the theme, it is a book about dragons. And we I would love to welcome the year of dragons for Lunar New Year with a book about dragons. This is about a family of dragons. So there's a lot of 
family things going on in it, as well as some sibling rivalry and training scenes and of at first sight and he falls first and some intrigue and some very strong females who are proud of themselves and want to just have fun and it's also a standalone so if you haven't seen my other three books you can start with this one and I hope uh, you enjoy yes and where can we pick it up you can find it at any of your any vendors Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, Google Play, Apple Books. Your, your public library, you can also request it. So it should be anywhere you can find it. Perfect. And where can we find you online? I have a website, so camillatracy.com, or I'm most active on Instagram. And there's lots of links in my Instagram bio that you can find links to the books, find links to all the books, um, or the most, or this most recent book coming out. And uh, yeah, I would love to hear from all of you too, on Instagram as well. I also have a Facebook page. I'm trying to remember <laughs> them all now. But yes, it's mostly so Instagram and socials. Facebook. And oh, yeah, gosh, I was on threads for a while. Mm. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm yeah. active on there. Not a threader. I don't know what they call it. <laughs> I never <laughs> made one. <laughs> I'm like, what do you call it? like like a a tweet a tweet for Twitter and then yeah, I don't know what a, a thread. Oh gosh, I don't know. Post us, yeah. <laughs> but joined when the hype was awesome. like real. It was like, oh my gosh, there's a thread, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I'll get on that, and then I I'm definitely not. I'm more of an Instagrammer. I like the photos. I do too. I love Instagram. I thought TikTok was going to be my biggest like platform. And then I just found like Instagram was just so much more interactive and so much more fun to like hang out in. So I kind of switched my focus to Instagram. Yeah, me too. I, I feel like I found a lot of amazing community on Instagram. So I really, I really like the Instagram community that's around. Awesome. Okay. Well, Camilla, I will let you go. We will absolutely have to do it again because we have so much more to talk about. And um, you were right. We are absolutely going to be besties. So <laughs> feel I'm free so to glad. reach out to me anytime. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I'm so excited. And thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you. I really appreciate you hanging out with me. And I know we went a little long today, but we've got some good stuff. So it's going to be a good show. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. And uh, yes, I yeah. can't wait to share, you know, my po- my wall of ears with you. And uh, I'd like to yes. see your wall of ears as well. Absolutely. Well, we'll get we'll get together in in DMs. All right. <laughs> Perfect. So, all right. Have a good right. day. Well, you too. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. That is all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for hanging out. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. You have a fun weekend. And I will see you guys here next week as we continue Divine Rivals by Rebecca Russ. Until then, keep reading, keep writing, keep loving life. All right. Have a good one, guys. Bye.